Welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. Uh, my name is Adam here at DHRE. Alex Deacon, the Deacon of Real Estate, is back with me as always. How's it going, good sir? Adam, good morning. Good morning. Good things sir. are going fantastic. And you know what, Alex? Yeah. One thing that we wanted to talk about today, um, because things are going fantastic, and you know what else was fantastic? Hmm, was, was this past weekend, you had a meetup event, and from what I hear, it was a fantastic time. It was a very good event. We had... Uh, a good friend of mine, he's my CPA. We refer him to a lot of our clients. He specializes, his name is Matt Stevens. He specializes in uh, small businesses, uh, construction, real estate, investment. And he's very good and knowledgeable, very um, detailed when it comes to uh, tax returns, which is what you need as in a CPA. He has a staff of, I think, four or five people. And uh, he talked about the new tax code. Okay. So, super important. Kind of yeah. lost me after about the first 10 minutes, but that's why <laughs> we talk about having a great team around you, and that's why he's on my team. And uh, if you get a chance or you need to reach out to him, just shoot an email to me, alex at alexdeacon.com. I'll get you Matt Stevens' phone number, and you can hook up with him. And it looked like there was about 40 people or so. Yeah, there. we had a good turnout. We had 40. That was the most we've, we've had. And, I mean, for the networking alone, it seems like that's mm -hmm. worth going. Yep. So our meetups, um, you know, I call them the Alex Deacon Real Estate Workshops. You can uh, – it's not only you're learning something. Some, you know, sometimes if you're like a really savvy, experienced investor, maybe they might be a little bit dry or boring for you. But for the most part, most of the people that come, what they take away is just huge and impactful because this is information you're getting from – Myself, who who's doing this every day, and from our guest speakers who are currently doing what they do every day. Like next month, we have a um, an attorney coming in, Matt Beam, and he's going to talk about creative financing, and that's what we're going to kind of hint on a little bit today. You know, all the contracts involved with lease options, notes, mortgages, um, not all the potential creative financing ways, but just the, the most common ones, mm -hmm. and that's what we're going to touch on because that's all you really need. And, you know, it's from what I've seen so far, everybody always has nothing but positive things to say about it. And I, I think the one beautiful thing about it, Alex, is how, how much does this, does your workshop cost? Uh, it's, it's zero, but it's, it's, it's doubling. We're going to double the price next, next doubling month. Doubling it. Yeah. Double zero. Mm -hmm. Man, that's, when you really think about it, I know it sounds steep, ladies and gentlemen. But it's well worth it. We're price. doubling it. <laughs> Demand is going up. We got to double the price. So I mean, and that's the guys. The information that you are going to get is invaluable. I mean, the the networking and just meeting. You know, again, you're you're always looking to network, grow your team, grow your you know avenues. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the creative financing that you will be talking about in your April workshop. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe touch base on five to ten you know, that are commonly used. Yep. So probably the most common one would be uh, the owner holding a mortgage. Okay. So when you approach an owner or, you know, you're working through an agent and that agent puts an offer in for you, you can always ask if the owner would be willing to hold a mortgage. Sometimes they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, I don't know what that means, right? Uh, what is a mortgage? How do I hold it? What, what does that entail? And sometimes the other agent is not educated enough, and it's it's hard to even convey that message. So it's, it's sometimes it's a little difficult just to 
just to communicate that to an owner in the form of an offer because you're working with an agent who doesn't know what you're talking about and of course if they don't know most likely the agent the owner's not going to know and the, the message gets lost and then it's like the telephone game Everything it's gets silly but all, all things being equal if the agent knows what they're talking about or if you're dealing directly with the owner how you want to explain it is um, for you to hold a mortgage it can be advantageous as a seller for a couple of different reasons so you're going to pay them an interest on their on their money. So let's say the the best scenario is someone a seller that doesn't need all that they don't need the money. In fact, when they do get paid, they're going to pay a large portion of it in taxes. Let's say they're an investor, so it's not their primary residence. If it was their primary residence, and you're asking them to hold a mortgage, it might not be as beneficial because when they sell your when you sell your primary residence, you don't pay tax on it. So for them to hold a mortgage at four, five, six, seven percent, it may or may not be appealing. Okay, <clears throat> but an investor who's going to be selling and paying capital gains tax, or maybe maybe even regular income tax on it, and they don't need the money, then it's very possible they could hold a mortgage because it would be beneficial to them. One, they're not going to pay all the tax because you're not paying them all at once, and two, they're going to get interest on their money. Okay, so when you ask someone to hold a mortgage, uh, it can be one of two ways. It can be holding an entire mortgage. So if the property is two hundred thousand dollars, and you're asking them to, and you negotiate a price of two hundred thousand, and you're asking them to hold a mortgage of, let's say, one hundred eighty thousand, they have to be willing to do that, and they have to be able to do that. Meaning they can't be too far leveraged, uh, and I mean they could have a mortgage on it. Okay, mm-hmm. so understand they're going to hold a mortgage, but they have a mortgage on it Correct. also. So they're going to get a payment from you, and then they have to make a payment to their bank every right. month. Right. Okay. And you just have to be careful because sometimes there's a there's a due on sale clause. So meaning when the property sells, the bank who has the current mortgage with the current owner is going to want paid off. Ooh, wow. Okay. And they typically don't ever find out. So it's there's ways to do that there's ways to have a seller hold a mortgage without there really being any ways of uh, it blowing up in your face but what are the advantages what would let me ask you what do you think the advantages would be for a buyer to have a seller hold a mortgage um, one I mean I would imagine right away taxes right I mean there has to be some sort of tax savings <clears throat> no the biggest the biggest um, benefit is you don't have to use a bank. There yeah. you go. Okay. So you don't have appraisal costs and underwriter costs and this cost and that cost. And uh, it's quicker. And it's typically you'll have to come up with less money down. Like a bank's going to want 20% down of 200000 which is forty grand, Or you can negotiate with a seller. Sometimes you can negotiate zero down. Wow. Hey, I'm just going to take over this property. I'm going to pay you X dollars every month. You're going to get a return on your investment. That's it. And if the seller agrees to that, that's a home run. Wow. Okay. Just the downside of that is when you ask a seller to do that, you lose all your capability to leverage or negotiate, right? Because you're, right. you're saying, hey, seller, I want you to take all the risk, and I, I have no risk, and you're not getting it's, – it's hard to find that. Right. right. Right, exactly. On a good deal. So typically what will happen is you'll overpay – 
to get those terms. Mm-hmm. So that a property that's 200 might only be worth 180, but you're paying a premium. You're paying 200, right. which sometimes is not a bad idea because in the long run, in five or six or seven or year, seven years, it's going to be worth 230, and you got into it for zero money down, zero risk. Right. If you decide to walk away at some point, you walk away and and maybe you're you're breaking even. And it's so totally- all the risk is on the seller in those cases. Now see, and that was that was a really good detailed detailed you know. Now see, guys, this is what you miss at the meetups. That was very a nice detailed explanation. <clears throat> the rest of them we're gonna go through. I think maybe just bullet point them because guys, this is why we want you to be in attendance here at, at yeah. our meetups. And these some of these, man, I'm like it's it's almost sounds like I'm at least in my ears I'm talking in circles. Well, and because it can be confusing. That is a lot to know. It's like you guys. It's it's like you guys and gals are magicians too. When you like, I just being around it in, in the capacities that I have, seeing you guys pull stuff together, it's like mm-hmm. wow. It's it's very very it's, creative financing is one thing that is very very impressive, and that's why you want to attend this meetup in April. So, um, what are some other bullet points do you think you're going to talk about? Well, I think let me let me just backpedal and say yes, sir. These are the basic owner financing methods. These good, are good. basic. Yeah. Okay. Good call. I don't even know all the complicated ways, and <laughs> and I just feel that. I'm sure there's a lot of complicated, structured deals done in large, multi-billion, million-dollar deals. I'm sure that's done all the time. I don't know how to do those. But <laughs> it, and to be honest, I think, in my opinion, you want to keep things simple. And 95% of all deals are going to be done the simple method. You know, You don't have to learn all these crazy off-the-wall owner financing guru stuff you don't need to know all that because that's going to be used very little in our world it's it's the typical and we're going to go through them so mm-hmm. that that's the number one is having an owner hold a mortgage okay that's the that's the first mortgage the other way is having an owner hold a second mortgage so i'm not sure how banks look at this today because it used to be something that could be done relatively easy. For example, on that $200,000 investment, the bank's going to want 20% down. So they're going to want 40000 down. Like 10 years ago, you could ask the seller to hold a $40,000 second mortgage. Okay, so now the bank who's going to be lending you the money will lend you 160000 They'll allow the seller to hold a $40,000 mortgage because the bank doesn't care. They have first lien position. Mm-hmm. So if if you default, they get paid first. Then the seller has to go after you for the 20% down that they held, the $40,000. That's one way of getting in with zero money down. If you can find a lender that will allow that. Okay. See, some lenders now today, they want some skin in the game, so they want you to be putting money mm-hmm. up front. So having the seller hold a second mortgage is also an option. But before you go ahead and try to put together a deal like that with with a seller, you want to check to make sure that the specific lender you're going to be working with allows that and what are the parameters. You know, what are their checks and balances? What are they going to allow? What aren't they going to allow? They might allow the seller to hold a second mortgage of 10% and then you only have to come up with 10%. That could be a win-win too. And typically through creative <clears throat> creative financing, I mean, this is, it's usually a win-win for everybody, I would imagine, for nine times out of ten. <clears throat> I mean, all deals should be, should f- at least feel like it's a win-win for everybody, but, you know, sometimes it isn't. Right, right. Yeah. 
I try to make it a win-win, but you know, sometimes it's a win-lose, and hopefully I'm on the win side. (laughs) 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 All right, um, another way that you could do, so we we talked about two, seller holding a first mortgage Mm -hmm. and seller holding a second mortgage. We also have a a zero money down deal, which can be done in a couple different ways. And we talked about this in another podcast. Mm, Yes, we did. But basically, if you're going to get that same property at uh, $200,000, you're going to need $40,000 down. One way to do that is have some sort of line of credit on some other properties you have. So, for example, if you own a house and that house is worth $300,000 and you you own it free and clear. So you essentially have $300,000 in equity that you can do something with. You can buy a car with it. You can put money down and buy an investment. If you get that line of credit set up where it's literally you just get a checkbook from your bank and you have the ability to write $300,000 worth of checks, you can essentially give that seller a $200,000 offer and put 20% down and get a loan through a bank, correct? Yeah. Then where are you getting the 20% then? Probably... Uh... From that line of credit. Say, yeah. From that line of credit. So you're just going to take it straight out of the credit. Yeah. So you got okay. it. You basically bought the property with zero money down. You're using... I see what you did. Okay. Yeah. I see what you did. It's, that's really simple. I mean, that's how it works in a lot of... That's the probably the simplest way to buy zero money down. Have a line of credit secured on some other property and use that money to invest. Uh, okay. Okay. Like, I'll give you a good example. Is we just got... Uh, approved for an a hundred thousand dollar unsecured line of credit, which is really cool because the bank said, "Hey, you know what, Alex? We're going to lend you and your company a hundred grand. You have access to one hundred thousand dollars, and we don't want it secured against anything." So they're not like they're not lump, they're not leaning a car, they're not leaning my house, they're not leaning properties that we own. They're just giving us a hundred thousand dollar line of credit based on how much we make every year at the company and our credits and all and credit score and such so you can even get lines of credit that are unsecured but in order to do that you have to be financially fairly strong to do that yeah so yeah lines of credit are probably the easiest way especially if you own other assets and you can leverage those assets and use that money to purchase more investments another way is uh, credit cards. I've done that before. Credit cards. Yes, I bought a plastic. Fantastic. Uh huh. I bought a four unit with a credit card, and this was man. I tell you what, I didn't know what I was doing either at the time. I think I was uh, twenty eight or twenty nine. I was clueless. Like all of us in our twenties. I don't know. I must have read a book because I know I didn't figure this out by myself. I must have read a Carlton Sheets book or something. But I read this book apparently, and it said uh, have the owner hold a mortgage. So I went to the owner. The owner said, "Yeah, I'll hold a mortgage." The owner held a mortgage. I think it was for sixty thousand. He wanted ten percent down. I had a credit card that had maybe a ten thousand dollar line of credit. So I, that's how I bought the property. I, I wrote a check from my credit card, paid him six thousand, and then I was paying him monthly mortgage payments. He was he okay. held the mortgage. He was the bank. Okay. I made payments to him every month. After three years, I think it was three years. I had to, the the mortgage was um matured so I had to pay him off so whatever the balance was let's say it was 40,000 after three years 
I had to pay him off. So at that point, I went and got a conventional loan from a bank, paid him off. I even cashed out. So when I paid him off the property, valued at like ninety or hundred thousand, I was able to borrow from the new bank eighty thousand. This is an example. Right. I paid him forty, and I put forty in my pocket. Wow. Okay. So that's good and bad. That can be bad. For me, it was bad. <laughs> for me, it was there's bad. There's the honesty. Because uh, Robert Kiyosaki says there's good debt and there's bad debt, right? There's good leverage and bad leverage. That was bad leverage because I didn't know what to do with that 40000 I probably went and bought another three properties that I shouldn't have bought. Mm-hmm. And so I kept digging this hole for myself. But if you're smart and you really know the game and you know what you're doing... And you're more mature, and we talk about the higher real estate IQ. That forty thousand dollars that I cashed out, I could do a lot of damage with because I could go ahead and buy maybe three more owner finance properties. But you have to buy the right property. It's easy to buy properties. That's easy buying the properties that financially make sense and have a long-term attractive ROI mm-hmm. is the hard part. Ultimately, ROI is is the name of the game with any investment. So we talked about four different ways to do owner financing, um, second mortgages, first mortgages, credit cards. You can also assume payments. Oh. Yeah. So someone who, they just went out, right? They're like, you know what? I'm just ready to get out of this, uh, this scenario, going through divorce or just tired of being a landlord, whatever the case may be. This is my mortgage. It's $60,000 and my payment is $585 a month. If you're willing to just continue taking over that payment, we'll just let it ride. We'll go we'll go that route. That's a nice way to easily just slip right into yeah, is. a good scenario and that happens quite a bit also. Wow. But again, you have to be careful on those is there's a due on sales clause on the mortgages, so there's ways to and that's what Matt Beam's probably going to discuss and, and talk about a little bit. Ways to do that properly so it doesn't become an issue. That's one thing. And before we <clears throat> cut back in, you always do get very good guest speakers at all your meetups too. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that, you know, because I was fortunate to attend one of them. Uh, and I believe that's when Josh Caldwell was there. Mm-hmm. Josh is fantastic. Um, so that's that's another, it's worth that unbelievable price of double zero, guys. Oh, yeah. We might triple the cost at the end of the year. Oh, it's, no. it's going so well. Inflation. But Josh talked about, he d- he actually talked about um, some of the crazy creative financing, which was just blowing my mind. That he's the first person I've actually yeah. heard speak about creative financing. And it, was I, almost, I was it was almost too, like, com- it was uh, complicated. It was almost too complicated. So many moving parts, yeah. I noticed. Yeah, I was... like to keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. But yeah, that's a good one. So you're assuming a mortgage, okay. essentially. And that's pretty. That's almost like a seamless for the most Yeah, that's part. real seamless. We've done that quite a bit. Those are folks that just want to get out. You know, right. they're like they're tired of it or whatever the case may be. But uh, when you can find those scenarios and it makes sense financially, you want to jump all over those because that's, that's just a nice way to acquire properties with almost virtually no money out of your pocket. Yeah. You know? Um, another way is a lease option. Okay, done quite a few of these. I think lease options are probably less risky for the seller. And the reason is, when you're doing these other uh, 
like this owner holding a second or first mortgage, first mortgage specifically, the owner's taking all the risk, you know. So that's why an owner wants more money down for less risk because if they have to, when you when the owner becomes the bank and you become the owner, on the title, you know, owner of the property, the bank, which is the old owner, is now the bank. They have to foreclose, and to foreclose, it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars to do that, and it can take months, sometimes years, to foreclose because there's a way to keep delaying that. So it can be risky for a seller. So lease option removes a lot of that risk because now you are basically a tenant. The seller is the landlord. So seller still owns the property. They're going to lease the property back to you and you're going to sublease it to a tenant, whether it's commercial tenant, residential tenant, whatever. So you're essentially just a tenant. If they have, if you stop making your payments, all they need to do is evict you. Which the eviction process can still be lengthy, but it's not anywhere near the cost or the length of a potential foreclosure. Gotcha. So lease options is basically where the owner will lease you the property. The option can come with um, a down payment. It's called option money. So the option may be zero. If the option is zero, who do you think that benefits? You, the buyer or the seller? I mean, if the option is zero, it's always going to benefit the buyer <coughs> versus the seller. Correct. You're learning. You're starting to scare me. Slowly. It's going to be... I'm learning from the best. I'll so. start doing... <laughs> I'll start hosting, and then you just... You can answer all the questions well, that's pretty not soon. that far. Next thing you know, the whole market will crash. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, a zero down is always better for the buyer, right? The same with a lease option. And most lease options, if they're done correctly and the seller's somewhat smart about it, they're going to want as much money down as possible. Five, ten, twenty thousand, whatever. I mean, if it's a million dollar deal, you want you want more than twenty. But if it's a two hundred thousand dollar four unit, twenty thousand dollars is not uncommon to ask for. But the more money you ask the buyer to put down as option money, the probably the less the buyer's going to have to pay for the house. Or the four unit. So, like I like I said, it's just it's it's not all about price. It's about terms. It's a, a whole bunch of other variables when negotiating a deal. Okay. So a lease option works like this. So you put that ten thousand dollars down lease option money on that four unit that's two hundred grand. You're going to put ten thousand dollars down. If after two years, and this is the agreed upon time period, after two years. If, as long as you make your uh, lease payments on time and as long as uh, you follow all the rules of the lease, then after two years you're going to be able to purchase the property and that $10,000 is going to get credited towards the sale price. Okay, And sometimes even a portion of your monthly rent will get credited towards the sale price. So if the rent was 1000 a month, maybe 200 of that will get credited towards the sale price. So, after, okay. uh, so 200 a month times... 24 months would be $4,800 plus the $10,000. That means you're going to get a $14,800 credit towards the sale price when you do refinance. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So those are just just a couple. Those are the most commonly used ones. And we'll get into more detail in actual contracts and um, samples of contracts, which we'll probably be able to just hand out to you, and you'll be able to have them, touch them, feel them, go through them. And um, that's what we're going to talk about the next uh, next meetup, next workshop.
And that's, okay. why, that's why you guys should go. I mean, and like I said, I am, when I say there's, there's novices out there, I'm whatever comes before a novice when it, when it comes to real estate investing. So, um, you know, for me, any, any of these meetups are, it's a, a wealth of knowledge. But I, I must say, it's uh, Alex does does a fantastic job organizing these things. Um, you know, from from everything I saw in, in March, you guys had a fantastic fantastic turnout. I mean, it, mm -hmm. was, it was it was really really well done, really well received from all the feedback we got on social media. And guys, listen for that that I know we tripled the price to triple zero, mm -hmm. but it's worth that 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 triple zero is is, is worth. Especially when it comes to creative financing, we'll create ways to, to get you to afford that uh, triple zero cost. Oh yeah, we can, you can get in. We'll, we'll help you get into these uh, workshops with zero money down. Yeah, it's it's and it's an amazing thing. Um, listen, guys, make sure you're checking us out all over social media, all over the internet. Dhrea.com is where you'll find us. Uh, social media at Deacon Hoover on Twitter. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. Find us on. Uh, we're, we're actually on a lot of podcasting services that I didn't even know. I think we were on. Uh, uh, I know we're on Spreaker, uh, but we're a little bit all over the place. Make sure you're checking us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Bigger Pockets as well. Uh, so for Alex, for everyone here at DHRE, thank you so much. Make sure you're checking out uh, Alex Deacon's workshops, uh, his meetups, and check back in for April's time. We thank you, and we'll talk to you later.